If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. So even two NPE individuals have experienced the same thing. They can't honestly know how you feel. Right. So their experience is unique to them because of the relationships that they have with the people in their lives. And so depending on your culture, your religion, and or how you were taught to cope with grief and pain will vary. You know, some have never seen their parents cry. So how is that behavior modeled for you? And some losses are felt more profoundly than others, depending on your relationship to the person or life event. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of DNA Surprises. In this episode, I'm joined by Jenica Kleeman, an advanced certified grief recovery specialist and Arizona licensed massage therapist. She specializes in a variety of losses, including death, divorce, loss of health, child loss, pet loss, and complicated familial dynamics, just to name a few. Jenica is facilitating a session on grief at the DNA Surprise Retreat. In this episode, we discuss the different kinds of grief, misconceptions about grief, and how we can begin to integrate grief into our lives. Grief is a huge part of the DNA Surprise journey. I hope you find this information helpful. Today, I am joined by Jenica Kleeman, and she is an advanced certified grief recovery specialist, and she is going to be facilitating a session on grief at the DNA Surprise Retreat. So I asked her to join us to talk about grief as it pertains to DNA surprises and some of what she's going to cover at the retreat in May. Thanks for joining me, Jenica. Thank you for having me. So just to get started, can you talk a little bit about your background and how you got started in grief work? Sure. I've been a massage therapist since 1999, and I started working with some of my clients that are retirees, and they were experiencing uh, pet loss, spouse loss, parental loss, loss of siblings and friends. And it just seemed like I needed to 
frame a treatment where those feelings were facilitated in a way that I could hold space for them as opposed to a traditional massage. So if they got emotional during a session, I wanted them to know that that was okay. Tissues are next to the table. We can work through it. We can stop. I can pause, whatever you need to do. And that seemed to be more beneficial for them in addition to their regular massage work. And so in, I want to say in 2011, I went into my own practice and I met a grief facilitator. Her name is Bobby Rill. She's here in Tucson. And she encouraged me to pursue a more advanced or a more knowledge-based type of work since I was doing grief massage and she was doing grief recovery work. And she was like, great, I want you to go through my eight week workshop and experience the work for yourself. And I was like, oh crap, (laughs) I have to do work myself. I can't just sit there and watch. And she says, nope, there's no observers. Everyone grieves. And so that started my healing work. I had been actively grieving the loss of my grandfather for 17 years. I couldn't talk about him without crying. Mm -hmm. And in doing the grief recovery work for myself, I was able to find completion with the pain I had attached to his loss. And I felt that as long as I was still in pain, I was keeping his memory close. And I thought that if I let go of that pain, I'd be letting go of his memory. And that wasn't true. And I was able to let go of the pain and move forward with uh, positive feelings about our relationship and understanding my relationship with him and why it was important to me and what I missed about him. And it was just a much healthier and freer way to uh, process my grief than what I had been doing before. And so that made me want to be a grief recovery specialist myself. And I got certified in 2019. And then in 2020, during the pandemic and the closures, I did additional training to become advanced certified. And now I can do my work online through Zoom. So I can serve more people that way. Wow. Yeah. So it was a very personal journey for you. You kind of just mentioned this. So your introduction to the grief recovery work was in a way that I think a lot of people are most familiar with grief, which is death loss, the the death of a grandparent, parent, or other loved one. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, in the DNA surprise world, we talk about grief a lot. So where else does grief come into our lives? Well, in the work I do, we recognize that there's over 40 different losses a person can experience in their lifetime. And death and divorce are the most common, but there's also loss of pet, moving, financial stability, infertility, miscarriage, um, sexual dysfunction, and not having the ability to procreate. There's also loss of health, change in lifestyle, loss of friendship. Pretty much any time we experience the loss of an individual or we're impacted by a significant life event, Mm. those can produce the feelings of grief and loss. Yeah, yeah. And I do just want to call out and thank you because you've really immersed yourself after we connected and talked about doing the retreat because grief is such a big part of this experience. Um, I know that you've learned a lot since we connected. So thank you for really holding space for this community. Based on your observations, in what ways might someone who's experienced a DNA surprise 
experience grief? I've learned that there are so many in listening to your podcast and learning more, just having conversations with people. Everyone has a story and it's like, that's loss, that's loss. And I've noticed that primarily there's loss of trust and many times estrangement with the bio parent, particularly the mom. Mm -hmm. And there's also the possible loss of connection with the bio dad, especially if he's already deceased by the time the MPE individual finds out about them, or they're just not interested in pursuing a relationship. And so that's a loss because you have this new understanding and there's nothing you can do with it. And so you're, you're grieving that relationship that was never possible. Um, There's also the loss of heritage and culture. That's another thing that I've learned about. If you were raised a certain way and find out like you experienced yourself, that you identified a certain way and then you find out you're part of a whole other ethnicity and you have, you're learning a whole new side and those recipes or traditions that were once part of who you were aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's the loss of culture, loss of identity, and that can be really huge. There's also the loss of time. If you'd lost, if you had known sooner, what was possible? If there was honesty from the beginning, what would have that looked like? What would have your life been like for you? So there's the loss of what could have been. Yeah. There's loss also the loss of answers where no one knows what you're going through and it can be hard to find the support that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel so seen right now. <laughs> like, yeah, those are definitely all losses that I can relate to. And I think a lot of the people that listen to the podcast can relate to as well. So there's there's all this loss, all this different grief, different forms of grief. Mm-hmm. How does grief affect us? Well, grief is trauma. It hurts. It hurts us physically and emotionally. It's a tremendously stressful experience. And with any stress, it affects your ability to sleep, function, uh, even routine tasks can be a challenge, or, and even our immunity. We're more susceptible to illness because of the stress that we're under. And to get technical, it's a hormone response. And so that affects every system of your body. And those hormones can cause heart issues, uh, breathing issues, digestive issues, cognitive issues, you know, memory deficits. It's like, I've got grief brain because I walked into the room and I don't remember what I went in there for. And I just feel that way all the time. Mm -hmm. I just don't know what I'm doing from one minute to the next. But it's important to remember that grief is a human experience and feelings of grief are relative to everyone. Everyone goes through grief and loss at some point in their lives. And it's the feelings that can't be intellectualized. Even though those statements or cliches make sense, it doesn't necessarily make us feel better. Mm. And yeah, it's a process that needs to be acknowledged and worked through. Yes. In our minds, we can say, okay, I'm grieving. We can name the emotion, but there's work to do to process that. So your process involves the grief recovery method, which was new to me as I was, you know, going through and learning about the work that you do and in preparing for the retreat, knowing that we wanted to have a grief component. Can you talk a little bit about what the grief recovery method is? So I've been trained and certified in the grief recovery 
uh, method, which is evidence-based, and it's recognized all over the world. And it's a seven-week action step program where I meet with a client for about an hour once a week for seven weeks. And we work on identifying what's helpful, what's not helpful in processing a loss. We talk about all the losses an, an individual has experienced. So that's the loss history graph that we will do. And then they get to pick one of those significant, most significant losses to work on together. Then we take a deep dive and examine the highs and lows of that relationship, whether it's a person or a life event like a DNA surprise. And they're given the opportunity to share their emotional statements like apologies, forgiveness, and acknowledgments with me with honesty, without being censored, and there's no judgment or shame in sharing those feelings with me, which is different with me than family and relatives. Mm -hmm. So they are able to share things that they wouldn't be able to share with other people. And then finally, all this work comes together at the end for a completion letter to the pain attached to the loss. They get to say goodbye and release the pain with the correct tools to go back and work on the previous losses that they didn't realize they hadn't worked on yet, or they have the appropriate skills to handle future losses, which is inevitable. And I can do my work in person here in Tucson or online with Zoom anywhere in the country. Kind of going back to all the different ways that DNA surprises can cause grief for NPEs, for adoptees, for donor-conceived people, and, and thinking about the fact that we can't necessarily intellectualize it. It is a feeling. When I went through my DNA surprise in the beginning, and I was in therapy, and I remember saying, I'm, I'm just sad. I'm just really sad. And um, my therapist helped me name it. She said, I, I think you're experiencing grief. And when she said that, it really opened up a lot for me to realize really what I was going through. Why is it so important for us, especially you know in the DNA surprise world, but broadly for any loss, to acknowledge grief? Well, when you think back to the first question that you asked me, and over 40 different losses a person can experience. So you've got the different types of grief. It puts into perspective that an individual has already experienced several losses already. And then adding a DNA surprise to the list, that's pretty overwhelming. And your world, as you know it, has been upended and you're changed forever. And dealing with this life event in a healthy way allows you to process the future challenges in a more manageable way. In relation to what you just mentioned, the sadness, it's often, grief is often misdiagnosed as depression. And even though you have depressed feelings, grief is normal and natural. And suppressing those depressed feelings or having the diagnosis of depression just delays the inevitable. It compounds those feelings to where you never really deal with it. And you're just, um, you know, taking medication to be able to cope. Mm. Even it might be necessary for some people. I'm not um, shaming right. medication yeah. at all. Uh, I take medication myself, but uh, when you're taking medication to suppress feelings that are normal and natural, it's important to acknowledge that. Mm, yeah. So in order to work through the first step really is that acknowledgement. Right. When you're talking about your process and, and when you're talking about your own personal experience, releasing the pain associated with the death of your grandfather, mm -hmm. is grief ever 
over? You know, is that is that something that ends for people? Right. When I first went into doing grief work, I think one of my biggest fears was working with people who'd experienced homicide and suicide in their either close relation or their families, because that is just so intense. Mm-hmm. And how does somebody, you can't get over that. And you can't get over learning that your paternity has changed. That's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we need to normalize grief. And grief is the normal and natural response to loss of any kind. And it's also unique to each individual. And I can tell you that you can learn to find completion with the pain associated with the loss so that you can continue through life Mm -hmm. with proper coping skills and knowing what to expect when you go through life changes um, so that you can move forward feeling more confident. Mm -hmm. So grief is never, is never completely gone. Yeah. I going through grief work isn't going to make it go away because you have a heart. Right, right. And it's a human experience. Yeah. But you can learn to deal with it in a healthier way. And that's what I do. Yeah. And that's something I feel like I've learned from talking to you and the other facilitators is that I think as a society, we have this tendency to suppress, like you were saying, any quote unquote negative emotions or emotions that we've deemed to be negative, but are actually a part of life. And it's really about mm-hmm. learning how to cope with those experiences and then move through. What are some things, I know we'll go much further into this at the retreat, but what are some things that people can do to have a healthier coping strategy when it comes to grieving a DNA surprise? One of the things is being able to talk through it, honestly, so that you don't feel like you are trying to make other people feel comfortable. And being able to be honest about your emotions and speak freely and the anger and the confusion and the betrayal that comes from it with someone maybe outside of your, your, your support circle, mm-hmm. um, they're going to they're gonna be on your side no matter what, but they may also have a relationship with your mom or your family and you're not able to be completely open. So being able to have somebody to talk to is very, very important. And then making sure that you understand these habits that you might slip into. Drugs and alcohol are probably the most common in avoidance, Mm -hmm. uh, but also entertainment, exercise, working, all those things that you do to avoid being alone, being still, um, and, and just feel what you feel when you feel it. Grief isn't linear. It's I don't perpetuate the stages of loss. <laughs> That's what I was going are, to ask. Yeah, the yeah. stages of grief. Like, is that a real, exactly. is that a real you thing? Can't put your, yeah. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross identified the stages of death and dying as it relates to terminal illness. She was later quoted as saying that she regrets that her... Um, her stages were interpreted differently for loss, grief and loss, because you can't compartmentalize a flow of feelings when it's like, okay, denial. You can't deny that your dad is your dad or 
a different debt, right? Right. Your bio debt versus your birth certificate debt. That's happened. You have to, you can't deny that's happened. And denying that isn't healthy. And then there's bargaining. You can't bargain a different outcome. Anger happens for some people, but not for others. And then, you know, depressed, you can be, you can have depressed feelings, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are depressed as a diagnosis, Mm. which is a chemical response. Mm -hmm. And then acceptance, you know, it's like people skip around or they feel one and they don't feel another. So that stages don't, don't necessarily make sense because you can't pigeonhole feelings. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think when it happened for me in the, in the initial aftermath, I think I, I did identify with some of those feelings, that denial, even though I had the evidence right in front of me, I was like, maybe, maybe right. there's a mistake somehow. And I think yeah. I hear that a lot from other NPEs, but yeah, it, it does. The stages of grief implies that there is a completion. And I think sometimes those feelings will still pop up every now and then. Right. And it's just about how you manage them. Yeah. People want steps. It's like, okay, once I'm done with this, then I'll move to this. And if they don't follow the stages, they think that they're doing it wrong. And you can't, because grief is an individual experience, there, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Mm-hmm. So as we look toward the retreat, what can people who are attending expect to learn about grief and how they can process it and move forward in their DNA surprise experience? Sure. Um, so I, I'm taking what I know. It's kind of an abbreviated experience because we have a limited time together. So what I'm planning to do is um, I would like individuals to identify their losses because knowledge is power and you know you can kind of face the beast when you know what you're dealing with. So let's acknowledge your losses and they will be unique to them and their own situation. Even though they relate to the other people, the other participants, everyone is having their own loss experience. And I think that's important to identify and what those losses are for each person. And then I think it's important to do this emotional work with others who understand, even though they have their own individual MPE journey. Then we'll talk about how holding on to their pain is unhealthy, particularly with certain coping um, coping mechanisms and behaviors that they may be turning to to avoid their pain. And then I'll share the myths associated with loss as it relates to a DNA surprise. Mm. As an example, your dad is always going to be your dad. Oh, your dad yeah, will always be your one. dad. <laughs> we love hearing <laughs> so that. So <laughs> you hear that a lot, and that's an intellectual statement. And grief is an emotional experience. So the myths are things that people say because either they don't know what to say or um, they think they're being helpful. But a myth is don't feel bad and replace the loss. So there's six common myths and we'll learn about those and how those losses fall into those myths and maybe dull the the response to those statements so that you aren't as offended maybe <laughs> or uh, triggered by them. So um, like, I just have yeah. to say, I'm really looking forward to that because that is yeah. definitely something that still bothers me. Yeah. 
Because I, I have noticed that there's some commonalities in things that MPEs hear from individuals who don't understand the situation. And your dad yeah. is still your dad is, is one of them. And it's like, well, that may be true, but... Exactly. So um, we'll learn about those myths and identify them as they relate to uh, the DNA surprise experience. And then they will also have an opportunity to write a letter and share it with a partner and release some of those things that they wish they could say and aren't able to say, or they've said and didn't feel heard and have the experience of someone hearing them say it. And then we'll also talk about some self-care methods to help ease the stress of what they're going through. And I'm so excited. That's going to be incredible. What are ways that people who are maybe outside of the DNA surprise can support somebody who's grieving? I think it would be so helpful for people to hear because they don't know what to do. They, they don't know. And they are, I think people are coming from a good place. So what are things that, that someone can do to support someone who's grieving? First of all, it's okay to not know what to say. It's an intense reality for someone who's going through a DNA surprise. They don't even know how they feel sometimes. And to have the expectation that their loved ones are going to know the right thing to say for them in that moment or any given moment, because your emotions are all over the place. So it's okay to not know what to say. And it's okay to say, I, I honestly don't even know what to say, but I care about you and I'm here to support you. You're not alone in this. And um, sometimes they don't even know what they need. So you got to pitch in. And if you're having a bad day, bring them soup or offer to go through their mail, offer to do their laundry. Because sometimes with grief, it's it's enough to be able to get out of bed mm -hmm. because the day is just too big sometimes. And so offering unconditional support and being able to hold space for someone means that you're with them 100% and you're present minded and you're on that journey with them and wherever that takes, takes you. Not knowing what to say is okay, but you can also say, I, don't, I can't imagine what you're going through. It sounds like you're in a lot of pain or even the way that you say something, is this confusing for you? Are you feeling overwhelmed? You know, being information seeking as opposed to assigning a feeling. It's like, well, no, I'm not exactly overwhelmed. I'm just really confused mm. and giving them the opportunity to find the words to express themselves as opposed to telling them how to feel you should or shouldn't, or if I were you, this is what I would do. And when you start to tell somebody how to feel, that's the quickest way to shut them down and get shut out. So just having compassion and empathy and just being there and saying, I care and I'm here for you. And then following through and actually being there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's such good advice. <laughs> that's really amazing because I, I do think that there's so many people with good intentions and they just don't know. And because grief is one of those negative things in our society and we don't really talk about it, people don't, they really don't have the tools to support people when they see them going through it. So thank you for sharing that. And there's fear and it's uncomfortable when you're afraid of what somebody else is going through, whether it's a DNA surprise or cancer or the loss of a child, 
you can't fathom what that feels like. So instead of trying and failing, ask, mm. how, is, how is today for you? Yeah. What are you feeling today? And, um, and just listening, being a heart with ears. Oh, I love that. Heart with ears. Well, I am so excited for the retreat. I'm so excited for this session. It's going to be so helpful to so many people. And even this little mini bonus episode, I hope that people really found value in some of the things that you were sharing. I know I did. And really looking forward to it. Thanks for joining, Jenica. Thank you for inviting me.